Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked on Vikings. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun, and I am still a little under the weather, so I am so sorry if my voice is kind of gross and sickly, uh, but, you know. The show must go on. You can always find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. You can find this show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, any of your favorite podcast apps. And you can also find this show by asking your smart device like Siri or Alexa, hey, play podcast Locked on Vikings. It'll take you right to the most recent episode and you don't have to look at your phone, which is really nice if you're the kind of person who likes to listen to podcasts in the car. So today, we have a little bit more news to go over. Yesterday, I talked about how the roster was totally set, and it was at 90 players, and we're done here. And it turns out we were not done here. Uh, The Vikings signed two more players. As of the current moment, I only know of one of the cuts that they made to make that necessary. So there's currently 91 players that we know of on the Vikings roster, which means someone's got to go before uh, they can actually make one of those signings official, but we can at least talk about the new players and, uh, and, and like what we know about at this particular moment. So the Vikings officially announced the signing of two defensive backs, Isaiah Wharton, who we talked about yesterday, uh, a slow but physical and technically sound corner, and uh, Terrence Alexander from LSU, who is also a corner. He's only like 5'10", maybe 5'11", on a good day. Uh, and he does play with like a nasty edge and he's still got that bite to him and he's, he's cerebral enough and and I think does enough to like make up for his poor measurables to get a chance, but those poor measurables do limit his ceiling pretty considerably. Uh, he went to Stanford at first. So in the recruiting process, he was like a really highly esteemed prospect, uh, coming out of high school and, and he got recruited by a bunch of teams. LSU ended up not recruiting him. So he ends up at Stanford. And then when LSU later had a cornerback need due to like other stuff going on, they went and like transferred him and brought him over. So, you know, there are some transfer stories that are like, yeah, he like couldn't get his thing. Uh, like the story we talked about with Cole Hikutini yesterday, you know, he couldn't get the opportunities he wanted. So he transferred and he took a risk. This isn't one of those. This is this is a matter of many schools fighting over a guy, and, and you know he played at Stanford, and then a blue blood school, you know, kind of had had their attentions drawn over toward Terrence Alexander and stole him away from Stanford, who I'm sure would have loved to keep him. Uh, so I, I think like don't don't be too afraid of such a transfer story. I should also mention that in the official press release, the Vikings listed Isaiah Wharton as a safety, which might actually be good for him. As we talked about yesterday, uh, he's probably too slow to play like man-to-man corner. He'll get burned on nine routes, but it's a lot easier to not get burned on deep routes when you start with 20 yards of cushion and you can play safety and use the read and react skills we know he has uh, to, you know, try to hang on to, on those those deeper routes and also he has the physicality to come down in the box so that actually might work out a little bit better for him uh, as a rookie tryout but again he has to like learn safety he has to learn safety in Zimmer's scheme it's a really really steep learning curve and you know as with all undrafted free agents including rookie tryouts it's going to be an uphill battle to make the roster so to make room for that, they did waive Jordan Martin, the safety formerly formerly of the San Diego fleet of the AAF. So uh, pour one out for the lesser of the two safeties that the Vikings signed out of the AAF. They also signed Darren Smith, who a lot of people agree has a case to be the best defensive player in the entire AAF for the eight games that they played. So uh, he, he definitely had a better chance to make the roster than Jordan Martin anyways. Uh, and since Isaiah Wharton will be moving to safety and it was two defensive backs, 
backs, it only made sense to target one of the defensive backs that's coming from such a weird spot in the AAF, you know, guys that had had their chance in the NFL and, and then are like on their final redemption tour, I think are probably less valuable than like undrafted free agents that the, the Vikings like specifically targeted anyways. Uh, so I guess that would be the justification for the move, as sad as it makes me because I just have a soft spot for all these AAF guys personally. So there's another guy who signed, Stacy Keeley out of uh, UAB, did sign. He, he tweeted out pictures of himself in the signing room in the Vikings facility signing a contract, but the Vikings haven't officially announced it yet because they have to make a corresponding cut. They are at currently 90 before Stacy Keeley, so Stacy Keeley would make it a clean 91 and somebody needs to get cut. We don't know who that is, but we know Stacy Keeley will be on the 90-man roster. So it's really hard to find, like, evaluation on him or any scouting reports and stuff, because he really wasn't on anybody's radar at, at UAB. I f- was able to find a few highlights and, and a few, like, scraps of tape from other players' highlight reels from, like, you know, Dackles that were drafted, like, highlight reels from them. Uh, but nothing really, not like a sample that is, like, good enough to actually, like, draw any conclusions from. But here is something that's really interesting that I noticed. So on all of the UAB materials on him, you know, bios and, like, player listings and, and all that stuff, and even, like, combine stuff. So he he weighed in at about 250 for most of his time in college. And then at the combine and, and even his pro day, he weighed in at 232. So he lost, like, 20 pounds. That's a lot of weight loss. And that's, like, a either a deliberate move or god-awful conditioning. Gonna go with the former, odds are. Uh, so that's really interesting, right? And he didn't really ever cover. I mean, he played edge. He was a defensive end. So he either wanted to be very light and agile as a defensive end, or he wanted to, before his pro day, like, target a, a five technique or a, a three, four outside linebacker kind of thing. Uh, but he ends up in a 4-3 in Minnesota where he has to probably either play defensive end and gain all that weight back or play too light or something like that, or move to the Anthony Barr position, that Sam linebacker position, and learn from scratch how to cover. So that that's going to be like a really interesting little plot line to watch, to watch exactly what position group Stacy Keeley hangs out with. And, you know, if they make him cover, if they try to teach him how to cover and how to, you know, drop back in zone blitzes in the third team and stuff, it'll be really interesting to see if they if they think they have anybody. Again, like with all these guys, they're all long shots to make the roster, so these are all kind of camp experiments, but it's still interesting to see, like, what kind of ideas these coaches have with these, like, moldable, like, long shot wildcard players. Uh, so that's, that's Stacey Keeley. I, I'll let you know as soon as I know who the Vikings actually cut and we'll, we'll talk about it. Hopefully we'll get to it, uh, before I have to record the final show of the week, but all that is, you know, machinations at the bottom of the roster. And I do want to stay focused on my Everyman series. So we're going to move on that, onto that in a second. One other thing I just wanted to, uh, quickly go over is that Marshawn Diggs, Stefan Diggs's brother did not get signed. He tweeted out himself, obviously, you know, you can, figure that out by process of elimination, Um, but a lot of people, myself included, thought that he was an undrafted free agent that was signed in the first place, and then no, it turned out he was a tryout, and then he didn't make it up the tryout, so that dream is dead, but the Odenabo brothers, that dream is is not dead yet. still something you can root for. So I'm going to step away real quick, and when I come back, we will talk about the two players that I have on the docket for today. See you in a second. All right, let's get into the meat of the episode. So if you haven't been listening for a while, or if you came back after after some time away, uh, here's what we are going to be doing. We are covering each player on the 90-man roster, obviously avoiding some of the candidates to be cut for Stacey Keeley or whatever, but uh, you know, we, we are covering each member 
of the 90-man roster. We're going into their background, their profile, their story, not necessarily evaluating how good they are or, or you know, talking really beyond what are their chances to make the roster or, like, what's at stake for them in the camp and the preseason and stuff, uh, but more just talking about where they came from and what, what, you know, what they're fighting for, what they're playing for, and what they stand to gain and what they stand to lose if things go, you know, certain ways in the preseason. So for this segment, I would like to cover Marcus Epps. Let's do the first draft pick of this this series. Uh, Marcus Epps, safety out of Wyoming. Um, you know, going back to high school, he went to high school in Huntington Beach, California, uh, very near where I am sitting recording this from because I'm an out-of-state displaced fan. And he's not recruited at all. He ends up going to Wyoming. He ends up walking on in 2014. He's just like totally a nobody, right? And he walks on. He gets the attention of uh, some of the juniors and senior players and obviously gets the attention of some of the coaches. He ends up actually playing as a freshman from from a walk-on. And then he ends up like playing there the whole time. And while he's at Wyoming, he, lo and behold, has a kid. And this college kid, football player, student athlete type, you know, all of the stresses that go on with that. And and I don't know, it, like if you went to a college where sports were a thing, uh, you, w- you will know, everybody knew like an athlete that could never hang out, that could never really like talk to anybody. I mean, this was, this is like a time dominating thing. It's a huge part of why there's a whole debate over whether or not to play them because it truly dominates their lives to the point where it definitely like affects their ability to do classwork. And it's like, it's a huge commitment, right? And take all that and enter baby Braxton. And there's an article, uh, a really great article from around that time, from around that uh, Braxton's first birthday where uh, he talks and he opens up about, like, I broke down. Like, I just, I haven't had a lot of those days, but just juggling all the different things and, you know, needing to spend so much time and on the field and also needing to spend so much time with, like, my newborn son and, like, trying to be a good father but also trying to be a good player. It was just so much to juggle. Like, that, I mean, it makes sense, right? And he had his teammates to lift him up and be there for him when he when he needed it, and, and he kind of managed to, you know, and, and I'm sure if there's any parents listening out there, you understand that, like, once you kind of get into a rhythm, things start to slow down for you a little bit, but that first few months is, like, really overwhelming, and add that to the stresses of being a student athlete, and I, I just, I could not imagine uh, the like excelling at both things, but that's kind of what Marcus Epps did. And he ended up playing well enough to kind of get on the, the radar of a lot of NFL scouts and teams and stuff. Uh, we talked about the pick at the time and how maybe he, you know, a lot of people like didn't think like a lot of people wouldn't have drafted him, but the Vikings did. But, you know, I, I really like the story of this kid. Like, you know, come in as a walk-on, work your tail end off to become, like, a real player at a real school in Wyoming. I mean, Wyoming is not, like, USC or, or you know, Alabama, but it's a school where people get drafted. I mean, they had a quarterback just go in the top 10 last year, uh, and and so he comes in and plays there, starts there, is, is like a stalwart for them. But now he talks about it in, like, a lens of motivation, you know? That's one more person to play for. Because here's the deal. Marcus Epps is a sixth-round pick. And and a sixth-round pick in a world, especially for the Vikings, who had, like, 72 picks on day three, is expendable. This is not, you know, this is not somebody like Drew Samia or Alexander Madison that, you know, hey, they could struggle out of the gate if they, like, Drew Samia is a little raw or he might struggle out of the gate. He might have a poor preseason. He's not going to get cut for that because they invested quite a bit in him, and you have to be a pretty special level, a Willie Beavers level of bad to get cut. But for a sixth-round pick, you don't need to struggle that much more than you were expected to. You kind of have something 
nothing to prove still as a sixth round pick. You're fighting against, you know, Darren Smith and, and a couple of tryouts now that just got onto the team. And like, you, you know, undrafted free agents, not to mention the guys already on the roster. I don't really know what's going to happen to, to Jaron Curse, but like there's kind of a wide open battle at this safety spot. And yeah, Marcus Epps is the draft pick and he probably has like the highest pedigree, which means he should get that spot over, you know, an AAF cast off and a couple of undrafted rookies, but that's no guarantee. And, and he has a lot more to fight for and a lot at stake. You know, if you think about guys, even like the difference between like a practice squad salary and a roster salary is tens of, or even hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's a a huge boon when you've got a little toddler running around. That's like a huge difference between, you know, being able to put away for his college or not being able to put away for his college or, you know, needing to like work in the off season to make sure you can buy enough diapers or not. Like, you know, I, I think we often look at all athletes and we see them as, you know, guys that are like raking it in and buying big houses and stuff. That's really only the stars, you know, a, a practice squad player just doesn't make that much money. I mean, we saw Jake Browning get 140,000 or something like that guaranteed. And that is like a blow you out of the water salary. And that's now as a sixth round pick, you do get a pretty good signing bonus of $168,000, but that's one time cash. And if he does end up, you know, not make the, making the team and is like unable to stick, like that only is going to go so far. And there's about five hundred more, that four or five hundred more thousand dollars on the line if he makes the team. This dude's playing for his life, and he's playing for his kid. Like, and and honestly, I would never count that out. Now, as a refresher for you know the kind of evaluations that when we t- we talked about this when uh, he was drafted, but essentially he's like undersized, and he has a little bit of trouble with like the contested catch physical areas of the game because he can just kind of get bullied around and he's been up and down as a tackler and I think that's going to be the biggest thing for him in training camp is can you improve as a tackler and if he can improve as a tackler and especially that's going to be important on special teams you know and if if you're going to be the fourth safety let's just keep continue to call Jaron Curse a safety right now if Jaron Curse isn't a safety though like it gets a lot easier because now of the group of like him and Darren Smith and Micah Abernathy and like all these other safeties, uh, you get two of those guys instead of uh, having to just choose one. Um, but if Jaron Curse does remain technically a safety and, and eats up one of those roster spots, the Vikings typically only carry four safeties. So you have Harris, uh, Harrison Smith, Jaron Curse or not, and then one spot left over for Marcus Epps or whoever can knock him off. And to not get knocked off, you have to learn how to tackle, and you'll probably have to learn how to do it from special teams angles, which are not that unlike high safety angles, you know, you're clearing a lot of field, you're, you know, somebody is running at you and you have to take the correct angle and then like get at him at pretty much full speed and take him down, which is difficult for an undersized safety. So that's going to be the kind of thing to worry about with him, you know, and like watch it in preseasons. Is he, if he misses tackles in the preseason, it hurts him more than it might hurt other safeties because that's like a thing with him. So again, an interesting guy to watch. Um, I, I think right now, if it's, if you went chalk, meaning like the person with the highest pedigree makes the team. I think he's the fourth safety based on just chalk, but the preseason never goes chalk. So the guy's got a lot to prove and he has a lot to play for. Speaking of showing up when it counts, uh, my parents listen to this podcast. Mom, dad, you're going to need to fast forward for about a minute. Uh, you'll, you'll thank me later. Uh, gentlemen, especially those of you who are maybe of a certain age and maybe don't perform in the bedroom uh, the way that you used to, or ladies whose partner is suffering from uh, such an ailment. 
listen, maybe it's awkward to talk about on a sports podcast, but intimacy is important to any healthy relationship, and there's no reason to let father time and your body get in the way of you and your partner. So go to bluechew.com. That's blue like the color, chew.com. It brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as like Viagra and Cialis. So you know that it works the way that you expect it to work, but because it's a chewable, it works twice as fast and you can take advantage of those moments when they come up instead of having to wait and kill the mood. That's bluechew.com, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. Okay, moving on. So let's talk about Jordan Taylor. He's the other guy I wanted to talk about today. Jordan Taylor is the wide receiver, guy played with mostly Denver. He played in Rice in college. So he, you know, wasn't like hugely recruited, obviously. He ends up at Rice uh, and ends up actually having a solid spring in 2011 when he starts there. And there there are some stories uh, when it comes to like, I got injured in college that really changes the way that you like approach the game like it really changes the trajectory of anything I I look at somebody like Devontae Downs who got hurt his senior year and it changed his draft stock and it changed it like everything about he still made the team last year but he was kind of he's going to be on the roster bubble again like there are some stories where like injuries really define you uh not so for Jordan Taylor he, he figured it out by his sophomore year he was playing, and by the time he was a senior, he had been a, a starter and a, and a leader on that team, you know, 800, 900 yards a season, like, total, like, weapon for, for Rice to use and really, like, a face of the franchise by his senior year. And, you know, but what's that worth? Like, you go to Rice. Like, it's, it, you're not going to, I mean, look at, like, Anderson Deho didn't get drafted. He had to end up going to, I think he played in Canada, right, before he ended up, like, actually making it in the pros. So as, as... Like, for Jordan Taylor, you know, you go undrafted in 2015, and you end up playing for the Denver Broncos. And when he first starts there, Peyton Manning, for whatever reason, takes a liking to this kid and, like, invites him out to a concert. And I just have to stop and talk about that for a second because it's so insane. Like, imagine being, like, a nervous guy at your first job, and your first job is, like, at Apple, and Tim Cook is like, hey, do you want to see a movie? Like, I could not imagine being in that situation and not completely ruining it by, like, freaking out because Peyton Manning wants to hang out with me. Like, I, I, I just cannot get over that. But these guys actually established, like, a friendship. And if you remember how that 2015 season went for them, like, Peyton Manning got hurt for, like, seven games and Brock Osweiler ended up playing. And he played well enough to get a huge contract from the Texans, even though everybody knew that, like, that was a dumb idea. Uh, but like, so Peyton Manning's hurt, right? And he's like in rehab and stuff. And Jordan Taylor is like staying after practice to catch passes from Peyton Manning as he tries to rehab, rehab back and get ready in time for the 2015 playoffs. And they end up winning a Super Bowl. And I feel like Jordan Taylor kind of had like a bigger part in that than like most undrafted random, like, you know, practice squad on and off the practice squad type guys do. And I I believe in 2015, he was on the Denver practice squad. So he hangs out in Denver uh, all the way through the the 2018 season. He actually like bounces. He's kind of on and off the roster. Think of like a a Brandon Zilstra level player for them that like, yeah, you you like him and he's good. He's kind of a fan favorite because he has like the wild hair. Uh, But eventually he turns into, you know, especially like at Rice too. Like he's like, hey, he's not the guy with the wild, like crazy long hair. He's actually like kind of good at this. And, uh, you know, I, I did a little bit of a breakdown him when he signed. He looks like he's got reasonable odds to make the roster. So he kind of like bounces up and down on and off the active roster. And he gets to the point, same point where uh, Anthony Harris was this offseason, where he didn't, he, he had just completed his third accrued season because his rookie year he spent all in the practice squad. And then he actually played it, was active in enough games 
uh, to accrue a season in the next three years. So they have to either like tender him or find a way to resign him or let him go. Broncos end up letting him go. They have other things to do with their cap. Vikings pick him up. And now here he is joining a really weird wide receiver situation. If Jordan Taylor can be the guy that always like a, a lot of Broncos fans, he was like a real like under the radar fan favorite. Like they talk about him the way we talk about like Chad Beebe or like, you know, insert whoever your Mr. Mankato candidate is here. Like they, the, the Broncos like discourse around Jordan Taylor sounds a lot like that. And they liked him, and and if if he is any bit as good as Broncos fans want to say that he is, he should have no problem cracking what is pretty weak uh, wide receiver group after Diggs and Thielen. You have Laquan Treadwell, who I, I think he'll make the team, right? Because there's just it's all seventh rounders and undrafted free agents, and like it can't be that hard to beat those guys. But as the wide receiver three, like that's actually a little bit up for grabs because Laquan Treadwell, I mean, he lost it to Aldrick Robinson and Chad Beebe down the stretch last year. And I, I can't imagine the Vikings are like anointing him with that job anymore anyways. So Jordan Taylor is like heavily in the mix with Zilstra and Beebe. I would say if you went chalk and you, you had six wide receivers and went chalk, it would be Taylor, Zilstra, and BB. Those are the guys who have been on active rosters before. And, you know, Dylan Mitchell and, and uh, BC Johnson have to knock those guys off to make the squad. That's the way that I would probably uh, look at that. But when I did my roster tiers, I put Jordan Taylor in the roster bubble tier because he was kind of on the roster bubble in Denver. So he, he ends up in the same situation here. And now he has to kind of outplay Zilstra and BB and Dylan Mitchell and BC Johnson and all the undrafted free agents. Uh, and, and, you know, that's like a weirdly crowded group, but you're taking like three guys out of that group. So like the fact that it's crowded, isn't going to hurt you that bad. If he can excel on some second team reps, you know, and like beat up on the likes of Holton Hill and, you know, maybe like Chris Boyd, like if he can beat those guys in camp and in drills and stuff, he has a really good chance to actually get himself like a reasonable role in this offense. And I think that's probably more than he ever would have gotten in Denver with the guys, you know, they've got like Cortland Sutton and I mean, even like Emmanuel Sanders and they had Demarius Thomas at the time. Like there was, it was a lot harder to crack the field and actually get on in game situations in Denver than it will be in Minnesota because after Diggs and Thielen, there's really nobody stopping you but yourself. So, and, and I'm going to kind of probably <laughs> say that about like every wide receiver receiver on the roster because I think everybody kind of controls their own destiny. Let's put six guys in a box and see who plays their way out of it. And I, I really think it's going to be one of the most interesting rooms to watch over the course of the preseason. And I think Jordan Taylor has a good chance to be the guy that sticks out. So that is going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Vikings. Thank you so much for sitting through uh, my, my sick little rants. Uh, hopefully my voice will sound a little bit better come next week, but you still got to deal with me for one more show. Uh, as always, I am your host, Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. You can find the show on any podcast app you like, or you can just ask your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings. I will see you tomorrow for the last show of the week. And as always, Skull.